It's lovely to see you all here this morning. My name is Neil. I'm married to the amazing, remarkable, wonderful, godly Kate. And together we lead this church. If you're new here or you're visiting, you're very, very welcome. It is lovely to see you. Uh, at the back over there uh, by the Hello Welcome desk, you'll see there's, there'll be a team there. They'd love to connect with you and help connect you with the body of Christ, whether that's this part of the body of Christ or another part of the body of Christ. doesn't really matter as far as we're concerned, uh, but do kind of touch base with them. During, this, during the talk, baskets will come round and... Um, that's the offering basket. If you're new or visiting, just ignore those. But all the money that goes into the baskets, we're going to be using to buy Christmas presents for uh, these kids from uh, Hestia and the Salvation Army uh, in the run-up to Christmas. I think we have been asked to kind of see if we can provide like about 500 gifts. Uh, and as Helen said, we've got about 135. So we've got a little way to go. So uh, you were very generous last week. We'll be using the money from last week in November, at the beginning of November. To, um, to buy gifts on your behalf. But if you want to either bring a gift, you can have a gift sent straight to the office if you want to buy it online, or you can put some money in the baskets, and we'll make sure that goes towards that. Uh, this evening, as Kate said, is an evening service with uh, worship. We're actually having a worship banquet. Uh, so not only will we be worshiping, but we're going to be eating pizza. So... Uh, just a chance for us to kind of get together and worship and connect and build a relationship. Okay, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the subject of forgiveness. Uh, last week, we, we walked through some of the more practical kind of how-tos of how we might actually do uh, forgiveness, um, how we deal with stuff when other people have sinned against us. You know, how we forgive other people when other people have hurt us or offended us. How do we uh, forgive? And this morning, I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about some of the practical ways that we work things out when we have sinned against others, when, when we are the ones who have hurt or offended other people. And um, not that any of this has been easy over the last three weeks of doing forgiveness. Uh, this, I think, is where things really start to get uh, challenging, certainly for me, at least. Um, but like all of this stuff, if we are going to take following Jesus seriously, this stuff is incredibly important. important. And um, just because uh, this is what happens, you know, when you have the awesome privilege uh, to teach from the Scriptures and to preach... Uh, the Lord has, in his kindness and grace, given me plenty of opportunities to put all of this into practice, uh, literally over the last like, few days, um, on more than one occasion. Uh, you have to be very careful about what you choose to preach about, because you can guarantee you're going to get taught a lot about that subject in the run-up. So uh, before we go too much further, let me come clean uh, on a couple of times, I have discovered uh, unintentionally, I hasten to add, how I have caused um, offense and how I've hurt people literally just in the last week or so. And I'm sure there's many, many more of those examples, but here's just a couple uh, to get us started. And I'm sharing this not to make myself um, feel better or look good. I really don't think these examples, as you'll see, make me look good at all. Um, but hopefully it's a bit like last week, 
I'm really trying to just give you some idea of what it is that we're talking about here. Um, and, and maybe my sharing will help us see that we're all in this together and that actually you're probably much, much better at doing this than I am. So uh, that's not difficult. Um, the first was a conversation I was having a few days ago. It was between a few of us, and it was all intended really just to be lighthearted fun. It was just, uh, as I would say, just a bit of witty banter. It was leg pulling. Um, and it was all kind of fine and lighthearted until the guy most of this stuff was being directed at, he kind of stopped us and said, um, he said, actually, I'm feeling pretty uncomfortable right now. Um, and I, I'm feeling pretty got at, like I've done something wrong. And uh, he said that, and I'm ashamed to say that my first reaction was that he was probably overreacting. Uh, you know, it was all just a bit of fun. It's like, seriously, just, we're, just, we're just having fun here. Uh, but then I felt the Holy Spirit, I'm pretty sure it was the Holy Spirit, uh, just say to me, well, it's fun for you because you're the one having fun, uh, but it's not fun for him. You're actually hurting him right now. Um, I was like, oh, okay. So then taking uh, probably a lot longer than I should have done, I, I apologized. And although the, the banter and that whole thing was in public, um, my, my apology was in private. It probably shouldn't have been. It probably should have been public. Uh, but I said sorry for um, speaking the way I did, and I said sorry for hurting him, and I asked him to forgive me, which, being the very gracious chap that he is, uh, he did. Now, while the incident was, was done and the, um, the, the, um, the apology uh, made and uh, accepted, I, I kind of went away feeling, I, I literally kind of felt, I felt genuinely bad for the way that I had behaved, and so I was thinking about some way that I could make some kind of restitution. I felt like I needed to do more than just apologize, so um, I, I came up with this plan of some restitution. I did that. I don't think in this example it caused any breakdown in our relationship, which is a, a really good thing, but it could have easily made just something quite small like that. It could easily have made a, a dent. It could easily have created some kind of tension. More, more likely, it could have caused some kind of uncertainty about how I might treat him in the future or how I might behave towards him in the future, and I, and I really didn't want that to be the case. Um, and then a couple of days ago, I was having another chat with some friends, um, and in the midst of this conversation, I discovered that they feel that sometimes, this will come as a great shock to many of you, I'm sure, but they said they feel that sometimes I can come across as being uh, intimidating, and that sometimes I can come across and make them feel uncomfortable. Um, I had a really great week, by the way. Um, and I kind of knew this already, um, being as self-aware as I am. Um, you know, I know that I can be sarcastic. Uh, I know that I can be aggressive when I want to be. Uh, what I do, though, is I legitimize, um, I legitimize it all by calling my sarcasm humor and my aggressiveness sort of assertiveness and leadership. Um, anyway, rightly and thankfully, I was being called out uh, but not only was I being called out, I was discovering that my behavior was, on occasion, like, um, hurtful. And, and, it, and it caused offense. And it's like, oh, this, Neil, this is not, not good. Not good. So again, convicted by the Holy Spirit and uh, gently confronted uh, by some very good friends, um, I confessed my sin and I 
repented, and I thought about ways in which I could kind of make some kind of restitution for any hurt that I'd caused, and then basically reconciled with my brothers, and actually, as a result, feel closer and more connected with them than I did before. Okay, so that's my confession all done. Uh, Bible, let's have a look at that. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 to 4. Let's see what the scriptures say. Before we get to the scriptures, as we've done each week, while we've been looking at forgiveness, I, I just want us to take some time. I want us to take a moment. I want us to take a pause, just in silence, uh, just to welcome the Spirit of God who is here, and for ask him, to ask him in his goodness and his grace. Just to bring to the surface any areas in our lives where we may need the forgiveness of others, where we either knowingly or unknowingly may have caused hurt or offense to the people around us. And this is just between you and God. Um, all you're doing is you're asking him to bring to mind any hurts or any pain that you may have caused that he wants to come into, any relationships that are broken, or broken down, or are fragile that he wants to bring his healing to. So we're just going to take a few moments, we're going to pray, just encourage you to be still, just close your eyes, ask the Holy Spirit to come, let's just, just speak, to, speak to you, just listen to the voice of God and see what he has to say to you. Father, we thank you for your presence. We ask that by your Holy Spirit and your goodness and your grace and in your kindness and your loving mercy, you would just bring to mind any ways in which we have caused offense, any ways in which we have hurt or offended others, any relationships that are vulnerable and broken at the moment that you would have us go after to bring your healing and your reconciliation to. Come, Holy Spirit. Your presence. We ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, you just continue to speak to us and minister to us throughout this morning. Amen. So, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. The words should come up on the screen, starting in verse 1. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. And uh, in other words, kind of what he's saying is, we all hurt people, 
right? It's, we're all in relationship with one another. It's likely that we're all going to hurt someone else at some point. If you're in a relationship of any kind, it's only a matter of time until we uh, mess up. You know, we say something wrong, we do something unkind, we blow it uh, somehow. And Jesus, uh, I hope you're reading the text because this isn't the Bible. I'm like, you know, like, you need to read your Bibles so we can all follow. Um, but Jesus is really brutally honest about the human condition. He's, he's sort of saying, actually, I get the fact that you're going to hurt other people. It's, 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 it's a when, not an if, really. But he doesn't, he doesn't let us off the hook in his teachings. So he goes on to say, and he says this uh, in the rest of verse 1. He says, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Verse 2, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck, and a millstone, this millstone being tied around your neck and thrown into the sea, that was like a well-known phrase in Jesus' day, so everyone would have known what that, um, what, what that kind of meant. Verse 2, it would have been better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones, and little ones is like inside a language for these followers, followers of Jesus, uh, to stumble. Verse 3, so watch yourself. And then what he does is he sort of turns things around in verse 3 and he says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Kind of what he's saying there is, you know, look, don't just take it. Say something. Go and talk to them. Confront them. Call this out. Challenge them. Have a conversation about it. Then he goes on and says, and if they repent, forgive them. Then in verse 4, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Uh, now, the reason we're here in Luke chapter 17, uh, 17 is because I think there's something in here which is, is probably one of the best like summaries, if you like, of Jesus' teaching on forgiveness. And to sort of summarize it down and distill it down even a little bit further, um, we all hurt people, Right? Let's recognize that. But that doesn't make it okay. Okay. Uh, secondly, like, be careful to do that as little as possible. Don't use that as an excuse to just go out and trounce over people's emotions and feelings. Um, when people hurt you, uh, which they will, by the way, talk to them. Talk to them. And then if they repent, forgive them. Repeat because we get to do this again and again and again and again. No matter how many times you have to, whether it's in a day, in a week, in a month, in a lifetime, he's basically saying, fight, do everything you possibly can to keep your relationships healthy and alive and well. And as far as I can tell, that's basically the gist of what Jesus has to say on the whole subject of forgiveness, you know, and forgiving. But it's, as we know, this is all a lot easier said than done. And you'll see that Jesus' like end goal is, like, is reconciliation. It's the restoration of the relationship surprise. Uh, verse 4, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. You must keep the relationship. Work towards keeping the relationship together. And this is like the crux of the matter when it comes to forgiveness and forgiving in the kingdom of God. Uh, last week we were talking about forgiveness and, and, and the healing that that brings, but that's just like the beginning. That's like the start. We're called here, as we can see, to do all that we can to go even further than just like forgiving, but like work as hard as we can to see and ensure that healing comes to any 
of our broken relationships. And, and, and what that sort of means is that forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. They're two distinct and different things. From what we've been looking at um, when we've been talking about forgiveness, because of what Jesus has done at the cross, forgiveness is this choice that we make. It's a, a decision that we make because Christ has forgiven us that actually I'm not therefore going to hold anything against anyone else and I'm going to release the one who has sinned against me from my right to collect on that sort of um, moral debt or to pay them back for their offenses. I'm, going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to forgive that. And instead of giving them back the pain that they've given to me with God at the center of this whole process because of the work of Jesus, we absorb the pain and the hurt which is just what Jesus did. He is our model, he's our example, and that's forgiveness. Reconciliation, on the other hand, is, is more like about when, when a relationship that's been broken or hurt by an offense gets kind of put back together. Now, the thing about forgiveness is forgiveness only takes one person. It, it's like it's something that we do. I, I can forgive, you can forgive. It, it's just a one-person thing. Even if the person who has hurt us isn't sorry at all, they may not be repentant, they may not have apologized, uh, they may not even acknowledge that anything's happened, that they've done anything wrong at all, you can still forgive them because it just takes one person to forgive. This is your decision, it's your choice. Reconciliation takes two. Now, just to be clear... As we can see from verse 3, Jesus isn't asking us to be like a doormat and let people walk all over us time and time and time again. You know, he says, if your brother sins against you, um, brother or sister sin against you, rebuke them. You know, and in fact, um, when they hurt you, we are commanded to rebuke them, to challenge them, to confront them. That's what he's saying here. And, and the harsh reality is, and this is where this all gets complicated, is that there are, on a, there are occasions where despite all of your efforts, despite all of your best efforts, despite everything that you've done to forgive someone who's hurt you, whilst forgiveness is possible, complete reconciliation isn't. You know, for those of you who were here last week and heard some of my journey with um, forgiveness, well, you know, Kate and I, we feel like we've done our part in forgiving, absolutely. Um, there has still been no real reconciliation. The relationship, sadly, is still broken. It's, non it's non-existent. Forgiveness has happened. Reconciliation, sadly, hasn't. And that's because forgiveness takes one and reconciliation takes two. You can't do reconciliation without the person who's hurt you being on the same page, singing off the same hymn sheet, wanting the same outcome, which is why we're commanded by Jesus to forgive, but we're not commanded by Jesus to reconcile. Clearly, that's the ideal. That's the, the way of the kingdom. Um, but the messy reality of our relationships mean that it doesn't always work that way. Um, but Jesus is after both forgiveness, and in an ideal world, also reconciliation. And being the community of the church and doing life, you know, at least the way that we see Jesus doing life, means that even though it can be hard work, we have to be doing all that we can to be reconciling broken relationships. Paul writes it in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, make every effort therefore 
to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. This is one of those areas we should be making every effort over. Now, the reality of this stuff is that it's incredibly important, but it is really hard. It's really, really difficult. And um, we have to learn how to do this. And, and, and it should come naturally, but the reality is it doesn't come naturally. It only comes naturally through practice. So to help us kind of think through this, to help us practice both forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationships, just want to walk through just some practical guidelines uh, this morning and some practical steps to working towards reconciliation. Last week we did forgiveness, this week reconciliation. And the first part, I think, of the journey towards reconciliation is conviction. It has to begin with conviction. This is where we become aware of the sin that I have committed against someone. Uh, now, for me, this week, uh, that awareness came about because um, friends uh, I love and friends who love me, they rebuked me. That's how the awareness came about. They challenged and confronted me. You know, and it was hard to hear, but I'm incredibly grateful to them for being brave. Because if they hadn't had the courage to call me out on how I was coming across, um, I'd have just carried on being an idiot. But for me, the conviction also came about by the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's like this combination of things. Remember what the Holy Spirit said to me? Um, he said, you know, it's, it's fun for you because you're the one having fun. You know, when I was having just witty banter and a lighthearted, seemingly but not loaded conversation with this chap. He said, it's fun for you because uh, you're the one having fun, but it's not fun for him. You're actually hurting him right now. That was the Spirit of God. That was the Holy Spirit convicting me in that moment. Now, sometimes the conviction comes through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it comes through the people that we have hurt confronting us. Most of the time, it's a combination of the two. But without this awareness, without this conviction, chances are your relationship's in trouble because you just aren't aware of anything that you may have done wrong. This stage has to happen. If there's going to be any kind of hope of reconciliation uh, and moving forward, this has to happen. And, and ultimately, we can't be reconciled with anyone without first being convicted of our sin and our stuff and of the damage that we have potentially done to the relationship. That kind of makes sense. And, and conviction is just the Holy Spirit just telling us truth about ourselves. That's all it is. He's telling us the truth about our sin. And our sin is what causes separation. It causes separation from us and God. It separates us from us and ourselves. And it separates us from other people. And the Spirit of God comes and he confronts us and challenges us over our sin so that by the grace of God, we can be brought back we can be reconciled. We can be brought back together, back into the fullness of relationship with God, back into the fullness of relationship with ourselves, and back into the fullness of relationship with one another. And that's what we've been designed for. We've been designed for relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and the world in which we find ourselves. And this whole thing is not judgment. This is not a judgment. It's not condemnation. This conviction of the Holy Spirit, this is actually a grace it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel very comfortable, but it's a grace. You know, it may feel painful, uncomfortable, challenge and confrontation. These things are actually mercy and loving kindness. And it's, it's from this place of conviction that we're able to see our stuff and the pain that we've caused. And that recognition begins to change our perspective on ourselves, on the other people, towards what's happened. You know, when these brave guys, when they took those sort of first steps to let me know how I was coming across, yeah, yeah, it hurt. It really hurt. Mostly it was my pride that was hurt. Um, 
I didn't like hearing it. Who likes hearing those kind of things about yourself? But boy, am I glad that they did. Because it gave me an opportunity to take all of that stuff, to examine myself, take it all to the cross of Christ, and then help me move on to the next stage. And the next stage is confession. So you've got conviction and confession. And, and all this means is, is that you verbalize what you've done wrong. First at the foot of the cross to Jesus, and then to the people that you've hurt. And I have to confess. I have to sit down one-on-one -on -one and say, you know when we were chatting the other day, and I said, dot, 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 dot. Or I did whatever it is that I did, or I made this sarcastic comment, whatever it is, we just have to sit down and, and have that awkward conversation. Um, and sometimes we want to rush this part because it's really uncomfortable. It's really awkward because you are literally at the other person's mercy in that moment. You are literally kind of making yourself vulnerable and saying, you know the other day when I said like this, like... Uh, this is what I said. You, you've got no idea how they're going to respond to you. But can I encourage us all in this moment? Can we just be brave enough to take time in this moment and, and sit in it? You know, just take some time to just say whatever it is that we've done. Just take time to say what we've said and sit in the, the discomfort for a while. Just confess your sin, first to Jesus and then to one another. No justification, no explanation, no caveats, just a confession. Because what I tend to do is like, I tend to rush in, and I still do this, I'm trying to learn, but it's like, I tend to rush in with a, oh, you know the other day, like, it wasn't really a big thing, like, um, you know, like, well, you probably don't even remember it, do you? Um, the other day, I'm sorry about the other day, I was tired, I was grumpy, uh, oh, you must hate me, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, you will forgive me, won't you? I am such a bad person, you still love me, don't you? Like, we have this, like, rush of, like, verbal diarrhea and emotional, um, and what we're doing is, all we're doing is, like, we're putting the pressure on the other person who we have hurt to actually kind of turn around and comfort us. We're sort of, by doing all of that, we're actually asking them to stroke us, placate us, make us feel better. And it makes the whole thing about my comfort and my well-being. And this isn't about me at all. Because I'm the one who's caused offense. This is about the other person. Basically, what we're expecting if we rush this is for them to say, oh, no, 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 it's okay, really, you don't need to apologize. It was nothing. But it was. You know, this, has, this whole process has nothing to do with you or I feeling better in that moment. And honestly, it's actually about us allowing ourselves to sit in the pain that we have caused and inflicted on the other person just for a little while. Not too long, but just for, just for long enough for us to recognize it. To sit in the awkwardness and the uncomfortableness of the pain that we've caused somebody else uh, so that we can properly process and reflect on some of that pain and that hurt that we've caused. And just to flip things around, um, if someone is saying this to you, okay, so when someone comes up to you and says, you know, the other day I said this or I did this or I behaved this way, it's also okay for you to take time in receiving that.
confession. It's okay for you to just take a moment and to, to let them know how it felt. It's okay for you to say, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it did really hurt, actually. Um, yes, I, I was hurt. Yes, I have been hurting over that thing. It's okay to say that. It's important, actually, to say that because that creates a, a level of honesty in your interactions, which is important. Taking this part of reconciliation slowly, whilst really painful and really awkward and really requiring a lot of humility, because um, we've got no idea how this is all going to go. This could all go to, like, really pear-shaped. Um, we don't know how it's going to work out, but it is really worthwhile. It's really important because it greatly increases the chance of a much healthier reconciliation and a much more honest relationship moving forward. Okay, so uh, when you sat in it for a while, maybe even just for a few minutes, then, uh, then it's time to apologize. Okay, so you've been convicted of your sin, you're confessing your sin, now you're apologizing for your sin. You're saying, sorry, and just four things quickly, just to what makes a good apology. The first thing is, be specific, okay? Not just, I'm sorry. Um, I tend to kind of be like, yeah, sorry about that, whatever. I don't know what you're talking about, but anyway, I've apologized. N needs to be owned a little bit more. It has to be specific. You know, the other day, you know, on Tuesday, it was like, you know, whatever time it was, and I was being an idiot, and I said this. I'm really sorry I said that. And I'm sorry for making you feel the way that you did. So be specific about it. And the second thing, focus on your part in this whole thing, not theirs. Right? So you're focusing on your bit of the sin, not their, your perception of their sin or their part. Don't apologize in such a way that you're really just manipulating them to apologize back to you. Just take responsibility for your part. Own your part. Apologize for your part. Say sorry for your part and just leave it there. Um, thirdly, don't put a but at the end. Um, I do this all the time because uh, my apologies are amazing. My apologies are terrible. I'm terrible at apologizing. Kate's amazing at apologizing. I'm terrible at it. And um, I, I'll say something. I, I think I'm really good at it because my apology will generally go like, and I'm really sorry I said that, but you kind of deserved it. <laughs> or, um, yeah, I'm really sorry I did that, but I am really, I'm really tired, you know? It's your fault I'm tired. I'll, I'll do something, so I, like, I feel like I've, an apolog I've apologized, but I've actually, like, not really apologizing at all. Like, you made me. You made me the way I am. It's your fault. Yeah. Um, I want to justify my behavior. And when we do this, what we're doing is we're actually making the person we're supposed to be apologizing to actually like even more angry with us. If they weren't angry already, they're now like super angry because we've sort of apologized but then blamed them for my behavior. Just say what you have to say and stop. But if you're anything like me, just saying sorry, it, it's really hard. It literally sticks in my throat. I think it's, uh, I, uh, it's um, God's doing lots of stuff. Uh, it takes a lot of self-control, for me at least, not to try and go on and justify myself. Anyway, finally, don't make this whole thing about the other person's feelings. This is, this is an interesting one. Um, it's actually, this can be a way that we sort of avoid taking responsibility for what we've done. And what this means is, let's not be a people who say, oh, I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. Or I'm sorry that you were offended. Or I'm sorry that you feel that way. 
that's actually really not a good apology, okay? Because it's kind of passive-aggressive. Um, it's, it's not healthy. Because the point here is, is about reconciliation. It's starting with confession. This is, I did this wrong. So I'm not, we're not talking about, well, there's something wrong with you because I just behave normally and you're like weird in the way that you respond and I can't help the way you feel. It's like, we're not talking about that. I did this wrong. I did that wrong. Just say it. And, and the next step in a really good apology is where we you just say out loud whatever it was that you said, whatever it was that you did, just put it out on the table. Just put it there and let it sit there so that you can begin to express your desire for reconciliation. That's what you're after. Okay, so after conviction and confession and apologizing, now we get into the fun stuff. It's like awesome. Of, um, of repentance. Now we can begin repentance. So after we apologize, what we're, and this is different. Apology and repentance are different. Um, we get the opportunity by the grace of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, because it only comes about through the power of the Holy Spirit, any of this stuff, to actually change the way that we behave. And we, we, by, by, by our behavior changing, we're actually demonstrating that our apology was genuine and that we actually meant what we have said. And, and to repent, as we understand it from the Scriptures, it means to change not only our minds but our behaviors. There has to be a change. And without repentance, there can be no reconciliation because without it, we're just going to carry on doing all of the stuff that we were doing before, all of the hurtful stuff, which is just going to lead to a continual breakdown in our relationships. And it's, a, it's actually the thing that we're supposed to be asking forgiveness for. So we can't then carry on doing it. So if we're going to move forward, this is a really important step on the journey. And on the one hand, it's a work of our wills. It's a decision um, we make. But we recognize that we can't just change and modify our behavior without the transforming power of the Holy Spirit bringing about that change. And so we have to get on our faces and say, oh God, oh God, oh God, will you change me? Will you transform me? Will you turn me into the precious image of your son? And then just when you think it's getting hard, because we're now at repentance, you get to the, the next stage, which is restitution. Yes, restitution. And this is one of those phases. This is part of the phases of reconciliation. We just want to breeze on past. We don't really want to have to think about it, but restitution is where we right our wrongs. You know, and it's, sometimes it's, it, this can feel a bit abstract, so let me make it a little bit concrete. Here's a, a good example of this would be around money. Money is a really easy thing to think about restitution with. So, you know, let's just say that you steal money from someone. You know, hypothetical, I hope, but who knows. Um, if you steal money from someone, it's not really going to be enough, to be honest, for you to say, uh, oh, I confess that I stole the money, and uh, I'm so sorry that I stole the money, and I, I'll, I'll try not to do it again. If you're wanting that relationship with the person that you stole the money from to be reconciled, you need to pay back what you stole. You need to make restitution. You need to give them money back if that's what you stole. Now, money is an easy, it's like a concrete example. And, you know, but most of us, hopefully, you know, aren't stealing money from other people. So that's maybe not a very good example. Maybe we're, maybe we're stealing people's reputations in the way that we talk about them, the way we gossip about them, the things that we say about them behind their backs. 
Maybe, um, maybe the offenses we cause are more emotional. We're damaging how people feel. And so restitution means something different. In the case of the people that we're moaning about and slagging off and bad-mouthing, restitution, if we're wanting to restore the relationship and reconcile, means that we have to take responsibility and we have to go back to every single person that we have spoken to about that other person. Every single person we have spoken and said bad things about that person to. Restitution means going back and putting that right and saying, you know when we were talking about so-and-so the other day and I was saying they're this and they're that and they're the other. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that and I'm really sorry, and I'm trying to put it right with them, but just so that you know I need to put that right with you, and I, you, you weren't getting a fair uh, presentation. It wasn't a fair representation of, of who they are and the person that God is making them and calling them to be, um, and I just need to apologize to you. So there's a, there's a lot of work in restitution. We don't like doing that. We're like, we want to keep that. We don't have to do that. But it's an important thing. And the reason this is hard is because um, that's going to take a lot of humility. But if we're serious about keeping our relationships intact, this is what we need to do. So, okay, okay, so having been convicted and confessing and apologizing and repenting, making t- restitution, we're now ready to be reconciled. <sighs> it's a long old process. It's important. And this is effectively the clearing up of the relational damage caused by sin. And this is a process for both the offender and the offended together to sit down. Both parties need to be involved in this. And it can take time to process. And and, and sometimes it's helpful to have somebody else at this stage help kind of midwife this reconciliation. It could be uh, someone on the staff. It could be your house group leader. It could be a mediator, like a professional um, but sometimes some of our breakdowns in relationships are so complicated. When we're getting to that point of reconciliation, we need somebody to help us navigate and negotiate how we move forward. Uh, but the end goal is that you are back in full relationship with the other person. The past is the past, but it's not because you've skipped over it and have acted like nothing happened. Something did happen, but it's in the past, and you have together worked through this, and you've gone through this long, hard and at times painful road of reconciliation. One of the things I came across that I found helpful is this from Rick Warren. He writes this, he says, emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. It's unrealistic to expect everyone to agree about everything. Reconciliation focuses on relationship. Resolution focuses on the problem. When we focus on reconciliation, the problem loses significance and often becomes irrelevant. Reconciliation is about relationships. So, just to recap, recap. conviction, confession, apology, repentance, restitution, uh, reconciliation. So, this morning, where are you at with some of your relationships? Where on this journey of reconciliation are you? What relationships, what things did the Holy Spirit bring to mind? Maybe this week, um, this is an opportunity for us to just take some time to reflect on this and think about where on the 
the path on the road we are with some of our relationships and how the Holy Spirit actually might want us this week, maybe today, to move on to the next, the next part of bringing about and seeing reconciliation and restoration come. And this matters because reconciliation is the heart of the gospel. The whole message of reconciliation is centered around the love of God and the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds us in Colossians, he says, for in Jesus, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased for his fullness to dwell in Christ Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself, to God, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And this morning, we're talking about reconciliation and being Jesus' people who model and live out and walk in that reconciliation. Because as followers of Jesus, we're to model reconciliation because it reflects the glory of God and the gospel. And we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We receive reconciliation from the Father through Jesus Christ, and then we offer that same thing to all of our relationships. Some of you, um, some of you we just, we're going to take the Lord's Supper in a minute uh, together as a family. Um, some of you need the Holy Spirit to minister some of this stuff to you. You need um, the Holy Spirit to empower you and equip you, to ready you to go to the next step. You need his, his power. Some of, you, um, some of you need to just make a, a phone call today. Some of you might need to write a letter. The Spirit of God is prompting people here this morning. It's like, it's not okay. You cannot sit in these broken relationships anymore. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this morning, the Spirit of God is just saying, this is what we need to do. It's just one small step. Just pick up the phone and speak to this person. Just say hi. Don't have to go into a whole lot of stuff. Just say hello. Just make some contact. Just write them a letter. Do whatever it is. Um, some of you may need to make restitution. You need to make things right. Whatever it is um, that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about, that's just between you and him, okay? But can I encourage you, if you are sensing the Holy Spirit, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, can I encourage you to walk in obedience to what Jesus is inviting you to do? Trust the work of forgiveness uh, and let the work of forgiveness be a bridge uh, towards reconciliation. That's what we believe is in the heart of the Father for each and every one of us.